This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Our guest this week is Jeff Fagnan, founder and managing director at Accomplice, a venture capital firm focused on seed stage technology companies. He's worked with well-known companies such as Carbon Black, FreshBooks, Patreon, Veracode, and yes, Recorded Future. Jeff shares his perspective on what he looks for in a hopeful entrepreneur, the hard problems he wants to see them tackling, and the importance of their ability to communicate their vision and their passion. We'll hear his optimistic vision of the coming year and why he believes cybersecurity is a foundational element of every modern company. Stay with us. So I wrote a piece of crappy software in 1996. Actually, I guess it was 95. That was around really understanding when you should harvest uh, timber and, and forestry, you know, products based on the land and kind of using some option theory. And that was really my advent into my origination into tech. And from there, I started working in consulting and tech and then wanted to be a, a founder again and somehow got myself stuck in venture capital and I thought it was just going to be for a month or two and uh, ended up, you know, 20 years later. And now I am, believe I am disqualified and inappropriate to do anything else. <laughs> well, I mean, can you give us some insights? What is that path to, to venture capital? And, uh, you know, what, what, what typically leads someone into that space? It's funny. I, I say that you don't pick venture capital. Venture capital picks you. And I believe on that, that so many of my colleagues that are in this industry just got in by happen chance. They were journalists, they were founders, they were, you know, part of other kinds of companies. All of us have been kind of technically curious. All of us really are kind of entrepreneurial and love betting on the underdog, but there's not a traditional path. It's not like, you know, you go into iBanking or consulting. And there's a laid out career path on how to get a job in venture capital. I mean, I think early stage venture capital probably hires less than 10, 15 people annually just because it's such a cottage craft. So I always feel really strange when somebody calls up and says, help me find a job in venture capital because and how did you do it? Because I was like, I just got here by accident. You know, I'm just kind of an accidental tourist that decided to stay. Well, what is your day to day like these days? What sort of things take up your time? You know, I do look at a pie chart. I, I suck all my calendar data into a, a spreadsheet and analyze where and how I spend my time. And, and currently right now, about 50% of my time is spent working with the existing portfolio companies that I have investments where I sit on boards or I have relationships with those founders that go way back. About 30% of my time is focused on new investments and those can be working with team members here on those new investments, me working on those new investments. Uh, we have a program called Spearhead where we give founders their own angel funds and then we give a mentorship around the, them backing their most talented friends in the industries they know. So I spend time on that. That's all on kind of the, the new projects. And then about 20% of my time, which is too much, is spent on firm management, which mm. is uh, you know, kind of running a firm and all the, the things that come as part of that. 
You know, I, I think that's a really interesting point because I think it, you know, it's been my experience that a lot of people who are starting up companies, um, they get into it because they're passionate about the, the problem they want to solve. And they're not necessarily uh, all that into being the person who actually runs a company. True that. Um, you know, it's funny. I always put founders into three types of categories. There's your visionary, there's your builder, and there's your operator. And the, the operators are the people that are really competent and adept at what you just said. It's kind of managing processes, managing people. And visionaries are often the worst at that. And then builders can be really good around kind of the initial building, but then eventually they, you know, they kind of scale out. And I'm a builder. You know, I really like to think about the machinery, trying to get all the blueprint for the things that we're going to do. But once it comes to actually managing that, I'm much better off leaving that to somebody else. Well, what sort of things catch your eye these days when it comes to the, the types of things you all will be investing in there at Accomplice? What does it take to get on your radar? It's a difficult question because there are so many startup opportunities out there. And then we invest in just such a small fraction of those. Um, for me, it's all about investing in very mission-driven people. So when somebody comes in and they just say, hey, I know this industry well because I grew up in it. You know, my father was in it. I've lived this for the last 15 years and this is screwed up. It must be fixed. Or this is a problem with society that must be fixed. Or this is an inefficiency in the system and must be fixed. And when somebody's Adam Apple is like going up and down and they're like using these hand gestures like they're fighting bees because they have that much passion, you're like, <laughs> great. I know that this individual, when it gets hard, and yes, it's going to get hard at some point, is going to persevere. So I'm always about the people that come in versus and are mission-driven versus somebody who's like, oh, I've got an amazing opportunity. I've analyzed the market. It's a really good, big, big you know, total addressable market size because I believe you have to be mission-driven to be that resilient as a founder. So I look for that. I look for things that are hard to do. I'm probably over-indexed on hard technology problems and barriers to entry because, because to me, if there's a little bit of like, if it's not hard, is it worth doing? And, and that's probably uh, where I am not as good of a venture capitalist as others because sometimes probably things are obvious to people and I'm like, eh, not hard enough. Like, let's hmm. do something that's more ambitious. Let's talk about the people side of, of the equation. I mean, there's technology and obviously that's important, but how important is it for you to, for these folks to come in with an assembled team that, uh, that impresses you? No, if it's not important. I mean, I think that to me, like too often people come in and believe they need to have this assembled team. So they've put, you know, kind of a loose federation of individuals together and they're like, oh, and so-and-so is the CFO and they know numbers and so-and-so is this. I really like to start with, you know, one, two, three people that have been working at something for a while, probably have already dedicated some time and bootstrapping it, um, some time really understanding each other. Um, and I really like it when people have worked together in the past. So I believe these are strong bonds and the only founding teams that last are you know, just a complete conviction and trust of each other. So, yeah, I don't look for assembled teams. I would rather invest in just, you know, and we invest super early. I mean, our stage is, you know, kind of most often pre-product or pre-revenue. And I feel much better apt around building a team longer term and really thinking about those needs. Um, I find that teams and companies hire too quickly. 
And, and I believe when you're an early stage startup, and let's define early stage as in less than 10 uh, you know, people, it's so important to get the right people at the start. And so I don't believe in the theory of just like, just go higher. I believe in take your time when you feel so much pain that you know you need that next hire, spend the amount of time to go out and get the person who's going to be absolutely great within your team and that you believe is going to work with you for the next you know, 10 to 15 years. Well, what are some of the other common mistakes that you see folks make when, when they're coming uh, to pitch their their products or their services to you? Well, I believe that PowerPoint, Keynote, and, and so many different kind of presentation slidewares are at the detriment of good communication. You know, I have so many founders that come in that just want to be like, let me get to the slide deck. And they believe that, you know, I will understand all the answers once I see the slide deck. And I am much more around Let's whiteboard what you're trying to do. Tell me how you identified the, you know, the problem. Tell me how you've been living this problem. Tell me more about yourself. Tell me more about your upbringing. I am much more into that side. And so I think too often founders use that deck or that PowerPoint as a crutch. And they just want to get to it because they know it. And, and I think a better, you know, much better approach in some of these initial meetings is just like, let's have a conversation. You know, show me a demo. You know, get get on the whiteboard. And the things that I really like are when people are intellectually honest. You know, it's most people in this business are honest, but being intellectually honest is when you turn to me and you're like, I'm not sure this is going to work. And I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. Within your own team, they're at Accomplice. I mean, how do you go about making sure that you have the right balance of people that you're working with there yourself? Yeah, we've struggled with this. And you know, building teams is hard. And whether it's, you know, one of our portfolio companies or whether it's here, I believe, you know, that you make a new hire and it's a coin flip proposition, you know, uh, of whether that person's going to work out. And and usually, like, you know, a lot of people that haven't worked out here, it's actually not because of them. It's because of us. You know, we've been doing this a certain way. Um, we're kind of stuck in our mindset, you know, and, uh and the way we work is not always the you know way that somebody else wants to come in. You know, like we um, we move really fast here. You know, our, what we believe one of the things around us is speed is a weapon. Founders come in and pitch us. We believe that getting back to a founder within 24 hours with a yes, we're interested. Here's the next steps, or no, you know, and here's the reason why. And that's a little bit different than the venture industry has been historically. And so we we definitely value kind of what we call metabolism. Uh, and it's a word to us that means just like, hey, if you're involved, we're moving fast, we're moving on projects, we're not waiting a long time in, uh, on deciding things, we're being decisive, and we're being as decisive as we want to see in our portfolio companies. Um, that said, I think we've gotten better. We're not hiring from MBA programs um, any anymore. I mean, I think the, the type of people that fit at Accomplice are the type of people that have been founders, We've all been founders and we've all been kind of founder driven here. And so I think somebody coming out of, you know, Harvard MBA that's really smart and has a, a remarkable pedigree, they're, they're going to do well. We're much more of an entrepreneurial vibe and I'm much more likely to go to somebody that we've been working with for eight or 10 years as a founder and said, hey, you know, instead of going and starting your next company, why don't you come spend some time with us? And, and I think we look at it as come spend some time with us. See if you like what we do. See if you kind of grok with the way we do it. And we know we're going to get as much out of you during that time period. And we know how much you're going to get out of us. 
if after a couple of years, it's not the right thing, you just go walk away and you're, you're still an accomplice for life. Yeah, I've heard people uh, use the phrase, you know, hire slowly and, and fire quickly um, because people quite often do the opposite of that. Is that on the, the fire quickly side? Do, do you uh, do you go with that as well? I do. I mean, I think it's, you know, if it's the right fit or not, you might not know if somebody's, you know, good or not, but you'll know if it's the right fit or not. And we should all just be super honest with each other. Like when something's not the right fit, everybody knows it, you know, whether it's a relationship, you know, whether it's a, 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 you know, whether it's at work, whether it's, you know, kind of a, you know, something else on a personal side, whether it's a new hobby you've taken up, we always know when it's not a good fit. And I think it's interesting because as soon as you eliminate that good fit, everybody's more relieved. And, and the number of people that I've talked to, you know, whether it's been founders and, you know, they're thinking about whether, you know, what they're doing is a fit for them, whether it's been kind of people that have come here to partner with us. As soon as you say, hey, is this really working? And somebody's like, you know, it's not. God, it's liberating on both sides. Yeah. What is your outlook, you know, as you look towards the horizon, how do you see the VC market on the tech side for cybersecurity? Are you uh, optimistic about the direction we're going? Look, cybersecurity is is here to stay. It's a mainstay. And I've been involved in it for so long, I think since, you know, kind of 2000 and going back to CyberArk and data power. And, you know, at the time, you couldn't have envisioned, you know, what we're seeing today with you know, the iPhone, which I call, you know, the remote control for your life, you know, just how tied we are with, you know, kind of web services and just the stack of everything that drives us. I mean, today, I believe there are only two kinds of companies in the world, companies that are software companies and companies that are going out of business. You know, even your kind of traditional brick and mortar manufacturing companies, they have to think of themselves as software companies. And everybody that's, you know, in software that's using the web for anything from marketing, distribution to customer acquisition, you know, the payments, cybersecurity is this fabric and this kind of underlying horizontal thing that is really important. It's really hard. So, you know, to me, there's only a few companies and a few founders and a few themes out there that are worth kind of investing in. But it is uber important, you know, for us to continue to have the commerce, the collaboration and just the peace of mind that we want, you know, in our lives. What sort of advice do you have or, or tips for, you know, those folks who are, uh, you know, burning the midnight oil, working in their garage, you know, guys and gals who think maybe they have a better idea? Um, any words of wisdom for them? Just really believe. You know, don't don't try to fool yourself into believing because then you're just going to try to, you know, convince others. Like be super bare metal intellectually honest with yourself. Um, go out there. Continue to get feedback from people. Don't believe the feedback, but continue to get it because it's going to just, you know, sharpen your resolve and it's going to sharpen your approach. Um, but to me, like cybersecurity is a it's so hard. Nobody wants to buy a new cybersecurity product. Nobody. They want to buy something that's tested and true and industrial strength. And you can kind of point to because it is so important and it touches so many parts of an enterprise or a small business. So to me, like. You can't be a tourist. You got to be fully committed. You got to realize that this is going to take years before that product is to market. And then it's going to take even more years before you got that product in a repeatable sales where everybody defines it and you're really starting to scale as a company. So 
you know, the cybersecurity companies that I've been involved with, you know, as a founder of Veracode and the first investor there, that was an 11 year project. I incubated Carbon Black in my office in Waltham. That was a 15 year project. Recorded Futures now going on, I believe, an 11, 12 year project for, for Atlas slash Accomplice. I mean, these are long journeys, but they're so valuable. And when I say they're so valuable, I'm not even talking about the market cap or, or what they end up valuation, what they're doing for society and what they're doing so we can kind of conduct our business and our lives online are absolutely imperative. So to me, you know, it's really hardy driven people that you know are going to be resilient and are not looking for a quick flip in any way. Our thanks to Jeff Fagnan from Accomplice for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.